0: Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and in this podcast I'm going to read a poem, as I've often done before, and this poem is going to be Elegy Written in a Country Churchyard by Thomas Gray, who lived from 1716 to 1771, and I like this poem because it's it's a very a very nice, very refined meditation on mortality and some of the themes that are often found in Stoic writings, so we can enjoy it in that respect. And before I begin, I'll say a few words about the author himself, Thomas Gray. He was uh, born in London and educated at Eton and Cambridge, and he devoted his life to the study of literature and language. And... He was eventually made a professor of modern history at Cambridge University in England. And he was a very interesting guy. He, uh, he did not publish, apparently, in his life more than a thousand lines of poetry. He was, a, he was a perfectionist, we would say today, and he was hesitant to expose himself to the judgment of the public. So he held back, and he would only publish things that he was convinced were absolutely perfect. And there are merits and demerits to this position, of course, and we don't need to get into that now, but he he published very few poems, very few poems in his day, and he was a he was just a very neurotic about his reputation and about turning in something that he did not believe would be successful. So that's a little bit about Thomas Gray. And there's one final interesting anecdote about him, the uh one of the British generals that fought in the uh, French and Indian War. Um, His name was Wolf, General Wolfe. There's a story that when he was getting ready to assault the citadel of Quebec in the New World, in Canada, he read this poem before that military engagement, and he said something like, to the effect that, uh, I would rather have written this poem then beat the French tomorrow. It gives you an idea of the power of this poem. So let's read it. Let's read it. Elegy written in a country churchyard. The curfew tolls the knell of parting day. The lowing herd winds slowly o'er the lea; The plowman homeward plods his weary way and leaves the world to darkness and to me. Now fades the glimmering landscape on the sight and all the air a solemn stillness holds, save where the beetle wheels his droning flight and drowsy tinklings lull the distant folds. Save from that yonder ivy-mantled tower the moping owl does to the moon complain of such as, wandering near her secret bower, molest her ancient solitary reign. Beneath those rugged elms that yew-trees shade, Where heaves the turf in many a moldering heap, Each in his narrow cell forever laid, The rude forefathers of the hamlet sleep. The breezy call of incense-breathing morn, The swallow twittering from the straw-built shed, The cock's shrill clarion, or the echoing horn, no more shall rouse them from their lowly bed. For them no more the blazing hearth shall burn, or busy housewife ply her evening care. No children run to lisp their sire's return, or climb his knees the envied kiss to share. Oft did the harvest to their sickle yield, their furrow oft the stubborn glebe has broke. How jocund! Did they drive their, their team afield? How bowed the woods beneath their sturdy stroke? Let not ambition mock their useful toil, Their homely joys and destiny obscure, Nor grander here with a disdainful smile The short and simple annals of the poor. The boast of heraldry, the pomp of power, And all that beauty, all that wealth ever gave— Awaits alike the inevitable hour. The paths of glory lead but to the grave. Nor you, ye proud, impute to these the fault if memory o'er their tomb no trophies raise, where through the long-drawn aisle and fretted vault the pealing anthem swells the note of praise. Can storied urn or animated bust back to its mansion call the fleeting breath? Can honor's voice provoke the silent dust, or flattery soothe the dull, cold ear of death? Perhaps in this neglected spot is laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire, hands that the rod of empire might have swayed, or waked to ecstasy the living lyre. But knowledge to their eyes her ample page, rich with the spoils of time, did ne'er unroll, Chill penury repressed their noble rage, and froze the genial current of the soul. Full many a gem of purest ray serene, the dark unfathomed caves of ocean bear. Full many a flower is born to blush unseen, and waste its sweetness on the desert air. Some village hampton, that with dauntless breast the little tyrant of his fields withstood. Some mute and glorious Milton here may rest, some Cromwell, guiltless of his country's blood. The applause of listening senates to command, the threats of pain and ruin to despise, to scatter plenty o'er a smiling land, and read their history in a nation's eyes. Their lot forbade, nor circumscribed alone their glowing virtues, but their crimes confined, forbade to wade through slaughter to a throne and shut the gates of mercy on mankind. The struggling pans pangs of conscious truth to hide, to quench the blushes of ingenuous shame, or heap the shrine of luxury and pride with incense kindled at the muse's flame. Far from the madding crowd's ignoble strife, their sober wishes, never learned to stray. Along the cool, sequestered vale of life they kept the noiseless tenor of their way. Yet even these bones, from insult to protect some frail memorial still erected nigh, with uncouth rhymes and shapeless sculpture decked, implores the passing tribute of a sigh. Their name, their years, spelt by the unlettered muse, the place of fame and elegy supply, and many a holy text around she strews that teach the rustic moralist to die. For who to dumb forgetfulness a prey, this pleasing anxious being, ere resigned, left the warm precincts of the cheerful day, nor cast one longing, lingering look behind. On some fond breast the parting soul relies, some pious drops the closing eye requires. Even from the tomb the voice of nature cries, Even in our ashes live their wonted fires. For thee, who mindful of the unhonoured dead, Dost in these lines their artless tale relate, If chance by lonely contemplation led, Some kindred spirit shall inquire thy fate. Haply some hoary-headed swain may may say, oft have we seen him at the peep of dawn brushing with hasty steps the dews away to meet the sun upon the upland lawn. There at the foot of yonder nodding beach that wreathes its old fantastic roots so high his listless length at noontide would, be, would he stretch and pour upon the brook that babbles by hard by yon wood, now smiling as in scorn, muttering his wayward fancies he would rove, now drooping, woeful wan, like one forlorn, or crazed with care, or crossed in hopeless love. One morn I missed him, on the customed hill, along the heath and near his favorite tree, another came, nor yet beside the rill, nor up the lawn, nor at the wood was he the next with dirges due in sad array slow through the churchyard path we saw him born approach and read for thou canst read the lay graved on the stone beneath yon aged thorn the epitaph here rests his head upon the lap of earth a youth to fortune and to fame unknown Fair science frowned not on his humble birth, and melancholy marked him for her own. Large was his bounty, and his soul sincere. Heaven did a recompense as largely send. He gave to misery all he had, a tear. He gained from heaven, t'was all he wished, a friend. No farther seek his merits to disclose, or draw his frailties from their dread abode, there they alike in trembling hope repose, the bosom of his Father and his God."